the word expected changes things. That's just, it's an expectation. It's not about truth. It's not about uh, facts, logic. It's not even about what's real. It's about what I expect, expectations. It's time to get inside your own head. Begin with the psychology behind your behaviors and fuse it with an acute understanding of self-awareness, emotion, storytelling, body language, and more. Then look at it all through the lens of the latest neuroscience research, broken down to its most digestible form. And you've arrived. Enhanced messaging, deeper connection, heightened influence, and a greater impact on the world. Welcome to the Neuroside of Influence and Leadership with Rene Rodriguez. All right. Well, welcome back to the Neuroside of Leadership and Influence. In today's episode, I want to talk about one word, and that word is value. I am here in my studio that is now actually been torn down because I'm moving. And so I'm actually really excited about that because we're going to be building our new studio with Ryan Grams of Call Upgrade, who built the, the previous studio. We're actually shooting this uh, podcast um, on my podcast in a box, in a bag. And so um, still sounds great, I think. So, But uh, today's podcast, we're talking about value. And so this is going to be a fun one. Because I think this applies to a lot of things. Value, a lot of times we're, we're thinking about money and we're thinking about uh, dollars. But I think I want to kind of expand the view of it. I want to think about different forms of it. I want to think about how do we measure it, how do we calculate it. But moreover, what, what does it mean and sort of our journey with it and some stories that really helped me early in my career come to grips with what what does it mean to me and a conversation that I had, I think it was two days ago with uh, one of my clients that really uh, helped me put some words around it that, that I've been feeling, but also I think I think you might enjoy. And so I want to talk about it. And so let's talk about value for a minute. So I always go back to definitions because I think it was, was it Einstein? Uh, you'll have to take a look at it. But somebody once said that wisdom begins with the definition of terms. And so if you look at value in sort of marketing terms, begins as value equals benefits minus costs. That's pretty simple. What are the benefits of something? And then you look at the cost and what's left over is value. And if the benefits are high and the costs are low, there's a lot of value there. And if the benefits are low and the costs are high, there's not much value. In fact, there is, if there's negative value, there's no value. But then I want to get into this thing called the psychological value equation. Now, that changes things. That changes things a lot, actually, because we're getting to the psychological value equation. Now, there's perception involved. And for us to understand the psychological value equation, we have to add a couple words in there and another variable. And so if we think about the regular value equation is benefits minus costs. So now we're going to go into expected benefits. The word expected changes things. It's an expectation. It's not about truth. It's not about uh, facts, logic. It's not even about what's real. It's about what I expect, expectations. And so now we have expected benefits. Now we have false, sometimes there's false expectations. Sometimes there's uh, people lead into something, expecting something that isn't realistic. But it's an expectation. And so expected benefits, 
multiplied. There's a multiplier in the psychological equation, value equation, which is interesting. And that multiplier is the confidence in which you'll get them. So <laughs> we have expected benefits, which I don't know what you're expecting. That's where it gets tricky. And then we have a multiplier, which is confidence. Okay, so we have a, a, an unknown, which is expectations. And then we have a multiplier, which is confidence. And then once we figure that out, then we can minus out costs. So think about that. Expected benefits multiplied by confidence, then minus out costs. So if you play that out, you've got expected benefits, you make a big promise, and confidence is low. Let's say the confidence is a negative. What do you get if you multiply a negative times a positive? You always get a negative. And so what the confidence means to me are four things. It means your brand, number one. And so this is where the brand conversation takes on a whole new light, building confidence in that, in that psychological value equation. And so if your brand is good, it's going to be a multiplier in the conversation. It also means your ethos. If you don't know what ethos is, your first conversation with us here, go back to previous episodes. In fact, the previous one to this, I think it was episode 12, we talk about the ancient secrets of, of Aristotle and influence in ethos, pathos, logos. Ethos is your credibility and your character. It's also your essence. And so ethos is another big piece of it. But then you get into the, the laws or the science of influence and then physical presence, like your, the way you carry yourself in body language. So those four things, I think, play into the, the sense of confidence in what you emote. The confidence piece that is the multiplier. Now, if you have low expectations, but you have a high multiplier, now you're starting to play. Because I've seen people that have a product that's mediocre, a, prom, a, a value proposition that's, that's, that's mediocre. The product doesn't even solve much, but man, they present it so well. And the branding is so well. And, and, and the personal brand is so on point and, and they've got everything so well and people are buying it. I mean, we've seen it happen so many times. It's because it's a multiplier. And when we're talking about this amplifying concept of your influence, this is why it's so critical. And I'm guessing if you're listening to this, you're in a for-profit business of some sort. And at a minimum, you're in a for-profit family. And what that means is you need to make more money than you spend. And if you're not, you are in trouble. That means you're in debt. And you don't want to be there. That doesn't mean you can't give back. Of course you're doing that. But my point to being facetious is that you you need to earn income. And so you need to be able to deliver value and offer value to the marketplace. And so when we're looking at this, how do we manage expectations or understand the expectations and deliver the benefits and also the confidence and create the sense of confidence and creates the multiplier and to be able to deliver at a cost that isn't something that far exceeds it. And that's what we create value. Now that we understand the sort of value from that perspective, I like the psychological value equation, especially in a world that I live in. It's, it's really more on that side of it. We're not in a manufacturing environment, at least for me. I'm not in a manufacturing environment. Now, some of you listening are. Now, if you're in a manufacturing environment and you're listening to this, you need to think about it from a leadership brand perspective. What are the expected benefits of your brand and your employment and your leadership? There's, there's an expectation of leadership value. And what are the, what's the confidence that you're going to deliver? So here's my leadership expectations, your management expectations. And what's the confidence in which I think you're going to deliver and execute for me? That's a multiplier. And if it's a negative expectation, 
you're not getting hired, you're not getting promoted, you're not getting the next project, or you're going to get the project that's going to be low risk because I can't put my ethos on the line for you. So this works in an employment standpoint, in a career standpoint as well. There's all sorts of applications to this, which is why I think it gets so exciting. This perspective is is interesting. And so let's go to the, the next piece, this question of why do we get paid? If we're talking about value, we really need to start thinking, why do we get paid? Well, some people would say, okay, well, we get paid for time. Well, okay. Well, that's not true because if we got paid for time, we could just show up and get paid. And yes, sometimes it takes time to get paid, but we don't get paid for our time. We got to rethink that. We got to think a little bit deeper. We get paid to show up and we measure it sometimes through time, right? An hourly pay. But usually that's because they've identified a value to that hour and they need someone to fulfill that. And so that's where you get caught up in somebody else already identifying the value of the hour. They didn't have identify the value of you. They said, here's a value of this hour. Who is willing to lower themselves or who thinks they're, that they are worth this hour? Very interesting way of looking at it. They didn't value you. They valued the hour and you valued yourself at the hour and you opted in. So somebody said, this hour is worth $10 to us. Who's willing to take it? Or this hour is worth 15. Who's willing to take it? Somebody says, well, here, this, we value this hour at $100. Who's willing to, well, a lot of people are willing to take it, but then a lot more qualified people are then going to be willing to take it. And then people have their choice. Well, this hour is worth $1,000. Well, a lot of people want that, but not everybody else is qualified to take it. Well, what if this hour was worth $25,000? Well, who's qualified to take it? A $100,000 hour. There are some of those out there. Are you qualified to take it? So we're starting to think about that. It's not about, we don't get paid for the hour. We get paid for the value that we bring to the hour. And so we have to start making that shift of what do we bring to the hour? It's a great analogy that I heard a long, 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 long time ago. And it goes like this, and I'm sure there's different renditions of this, but this is my favorite. It was about this big ocean liner, big, huge ocean liner. And they couldn't, the engineers could not get this thing to work. And they had been working on it for two, three weeks. And every day that the ship is not functional, they are losing thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And so they gave in. They said, you know what? We need to call in the specialist, the person that knows these things. And they called him up and they said, can you come down and take a look at this thing? He said, sure, I'll be right there. He shows up and they take him down to show him the engine. And he looks at this thing and he says, okay, spends about 10 minutes, goes up to his truck, grabs a hammer, goes down to the engine, takes one look at it, takes one swing and wham, hits the engine. He says, okay, try it now. Engineers fire up the engine and sure enough, the thing turns on. He smiles and says, don't worry, I'll send you a bill. Gets in his truck and drives away. A week later, gets a bill for $10,000. And of course, the CPAs and the, the accountants were looking at this thing and they said, the guy was here for 15 minutes. I said, what, what could he charge us $10,000 for? It's got to be a mistake. So they called him up. I said, you were here. Uh, we just you know, we got your invoice here. Thanks for sending out. We were just wondering if you could, uh, could you itemize this for us? You were here for 15 minutes. And he said, sure. He said, it was, uh, 
nine. Uh, it was a hundred dollars to uh, to swing the hammer, but it was nine thousand nine hundred dollars to know where to hit with the hammer. And that kind of sums up the analogy. It's not about the labor. It's not about the time. It's about the years it took to know what to do. And so you've got to think about what does value mean? I did, did something for somebody one time years ago, and it, it was a thousand bucks. I think it might have taken me, I don't even remember. It wasn't very long. And a thousand dollars wasn't a lot for what I'd done. And my response, though, I said, well, Can you charge me a thousand dollars for that? I said, Well, I could extend it out and wait to then give it to you in 10 hours if that'd make you feel better. But I'm assuming you'd want your nine hours back. Would you want to wait nine or 10 hours and make it feel like it was $100 an hour? Would that make you feel better? Or would you like my expertise, the fact that I got it solved so you can actually get back to work? And he smiled at me and said, okay, no, fair point. I said, here's the thing. I've spent 25 years to be able to deliver this to you in 15 minutes so that you can get back to work. And I'll do my job, you do yours. It's really simple. We have to get comfortable with those conversations. It should be a fair, equity, valuable exchange. Nobody has been an expert overnight. It doesn't work that way. It's, a, it's a, sometimes a difficult one, but it's one that has to happen. And so let's go a little bit further. I want to I go a little bit further and talk about this. I believe that every salesperson, when it comes to identifying their value, has, sort of reaches a fork in the road of what they believe. And I'll tell you mine. I want to tell you the, 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 the moment it happened to me. But before that, I want to tell you about my buddy Scott Hardy. And if he's listening to this, I hope he is. I'm going to send it to him because I think still to this day he's one of the greatest salespeople I've ever met. And Scott told me this story. And Scott, if I'm butchering the story, this is how I remember it. But he was telling me about one of his best friends. So Scott was um, worked with financial advisors. And at the time, I think he was selling long-term health care insurance. And he was with his best friend. Went to dinner. He, his, the, his best friend's father had come down with some sort of disease. And they were talking, discussing at the dinner table about what was uh, happening and the fact that he was going to have to stop working and they were going to take on all these costs and they didn't know if he was going to be able to pay for it. And it was just creating this big stress. And the moment that Scott heard this conversation, his heart sunk to the floor because he knew exactly what was going to happen next. And sure enough, his best friend said, Mom, Dad, hold on a second. We've got a solution. Scott sells an insurance that covers this. There's no problem. Scott, tell him what you do. And the whole family stopped talking and all heads turned towards Scott. Looked at him and said, Scott, what do you got for this? And this is what Scott's nightmare was, where he had to stop and tell him. He said, I'm sorry, I can't help because the policy would have had to have been in place prior to diagnosis. And that wasn't even the hard part. The hard part was what his, fa- his friend's father said as a result. His friend's father said, so were you waiting for something like this to happen before you told me about it? And that was the moment that Scott knew that whatever he did in his life, he needed to believe in it so deeply that he would be willing to talk to his friends, his family, and communicate it to the maximum. He needed to understand the value of what he was doing so much that he would pitch it to his friend's best friend's parents. Those are those moments that we realize what value really is. And where we stop apologizing 
for what it is that we do. My moment happened when I was with my chiropractor. My chiropractor, I went to him, this was when I was in, in college, and I went to him and, I, and we were talking, he was like, how's, how's cookware sales going? I said, well, I'm in this big slump right now. And he said, slump, crack. And I'm like, yeah, he goes, well, tell me about it. I'm like, well, I just, I don't know why, I'm just not selling. And he says, well, can I ask you a few questions? I'm like, yeah, you have to remember, chiropractors are great salespeople. And he says, well, do you, do you, do you care about your clients? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. He goes, well, good. I said, well, honestly, Renee, do you honestly, do you care? I'm like, oh my God, yeah, absolutely. He goes, okay, well, well, do you believe in the product? I'm like, oh my God, absolutely. He goes, no, Renee, okay, seriously, you're talking to me. Do you believe in your product? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I can fry chicken with no fat, grease, or oil. I can cook vegetables without any water, retaining the vitamins and minerals, 98% of vitamins and minerals, as opposed to 10% versus if you boil steam or microwave. I'm seeing kids eat vegetables that they've never eaten before. We cook a cake on top of the stove. I make a seven-ingredient salad. I feed 10 people for like $11. I mean, it's the most amazing. I went on and on and on, and he's like, wow, that's amazing. I go, what about, he goes, what about the metals? I'm like, it's surgical stainless steel. I mean, it's the same thing that people put in our bodies. I mean, there's nothing wrong. I mean, this is the most amazing. And I just went on and on. And he said, wow, and he stopped. And he sat back in his stool. And he took a deep breath. And he said, Renee, he goes, I got to admit I'm a little offended. I'm like, and, I, and I, I, I'm taking it back, and I looked at him, and I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you told me that this cookware is saving lives and helping people, and you love it, and that you care about your clients, and yet you've never told me about it. And I sat there, and I looked at him, and I'm like, oh, my God. And of course, I knew what he was doing, but he was so right. And it forced me to look in the mirror and say, did I really believe in what I was doing? And if it was true, did I believe in it enough to tell everybody about it? And what, what was stopping me? And he said, Renee, he goes, the lesson here is sometimes you have to care enough to be unreasonable. Sometimes you have to care enough to be unreasonable. And it was in that moment that I realized that when you care about your pe the people that you work with and you care about your clients, you believe in your product, that you, now you have an obligation to share it with everybody that you know. And that's what changed for me. It changed everything for me. When you're listening to this and you're thinking about value, and you think about the value equation and what you do, you gotta ask yourself, how much do you believe in what you do? Enough to tell everybody you know? Enough to tell you, your family and your friends? If you're a leader, do you believe in what you are, are doing in your leadership principles? Do you have any leadership principles? Do you believe in, in, in these things enough to hold people accountable? What do, you, what do you hold dear? What are the things that you hold to, the, to, the, to a standard? And so those are the things that really have to come clear. I was talking to a client a few days ago, and we went through sort of a redevelopment of their value proposition, challenging some of the pieces. And this is a highly successful technology business. I mean, they're literally one of the, I think, fastest growing in the industry. And one of the salespeople at the end said, you know, I just, Renee, I just don't like to be pushy. I don't like to be pushy. My response was very simple. I said, just call him John for sake of a name. I said, John, I said, I'm not asking to be pushy because selfish pressure with no value is annoying and hardly tolerable. But passionate delivery of value 
is a gift. That passionate delivery of value is a gift. If you knew that you had the cure for cancer and you didn't push it because you didn't want to be pushy and that person didn't want to, didn't want to make the change and they ended up dying, I mean, God, what a tragedy. But if I had cancer, if I had some disease that you could cure and you were like, well, I don't want to be pushy and, and you didn't cure me, I'd be furious with you. And a lot of you listening have the cure to a lot of problems out there in the world. You have the solution that a lot of us have been looking for. But you're too timid. you got to stop. you got to go out there and care enough to be unreasonable and deliver your value from a place of passion. you got to learn the ways to communicate it. Tell your story. I'm not saying be pushy. I'm not saying be annoying. I'm saying be passionate. Care enough. If you have a value proposition, I mean, sometimes your value proposition is such a no-brainer. I mean, we told them literally, I mean, their value proposition is such a no-brainer that at the end, we say, you know what, I, I, they didn't buy it. We go, I say, sir, I am, if I may, may I ask a question? I'm so confused. We laid out, we're going to earn you an extra $350,000 a year, literally minimum, actually per quarter, and yet you still said no today. And what that tells me is it's for one of two reasons. Either you don't believe the ROI number that we did today, or you don't believe that we can do it. If it's okay with you, may I ask which one of those two it is? Now, if I believe in the value value that I offer, I can ask that question authentically. I can ask that question from from a place of, of true curiosity because it's pure logic. But if I don't believe it, I'm going to sound like I'm pitching. Because if I do lay out a strong value proposition that I believe in and someone says no, then it doesn't make any sense. It literally has to be one of those two reasons. And I'd be curious to which one it was. Why, Renee, you know what, just, you know, you seem kind of new at this. I don't know if that's a lot of money for us to put out there. I don't know if you can do it. I said, great, you know what, first of all, thank you for being honest with me. If it's okay, I'd like to introduce you to five clients that are just like you, and I want to show you their results and talk to the CEO. Would you be willing to take that next step with me and then maybe we can reconsider our conversation? Yeah, you know, that actually might be a good step, Renee. Thank you. Or, you know, it sounds like I trust you and what you're saying. I just don't know if the product works. I just don't know if the product works. So I say, you know what? Well, why don't we give it a shot? Give me one week with one section of your database, and we'll see what we can do. And we'll do I won't charge you anything. I just want to prove concept with you. And so there's ways of doing it when you understand the value of what you do. And so all of these things come together in this concept of the value equation. What I, I guess what my hope is, is you start identifying what it is that is valuable in what you sell and what it is you talk about. If you're a leader, what is it that you value, what your organization values and what they need you to do? Because that's where things begin to happen, where execution begins to happen. So let's sum up all of this. The Value equation, the simple value equation, is benefits minus cost. But then we get into the psychological value equation, and we get into expected benefits multiplied by the confidence factor of that they'll get them, and then you minus out the costs. So get into the psychological piece you get of expectations minus and multiplied by confidence. And so that's where you get into brand and you get into ethos, you get into the influence and you get into the presence game, all of those things, 
And it's important to remember that we don't get paid for the hour. We get paid for the value that we bring to the hour. And so a lot of people will say, you know, to me, this is my conversation. You know, Renee, Renee, what do you get paid? Or excuse me, what does it cost to bring you in? And my conversation is always the same. I always say to bring me in or not bring me in. And I, and I smile. Even to my clients that know, I'm going to say, I know, Renee, I know what you're going to say. I said, great, well, let's have that conversation. Because if it costs you more to bring me in than to not bring me in, you're not going to bring me in because you're a smart business person. You're not going to do something stupid with your money. But if there's a solution that I can bring, and the, the value of that solution far exceeds the cost of bringing me in, I'm sure you'd agree that not solving that would cost you something, wouldn't you? And they say, yes. I said, great. So why don't we identify the value that we're trying to solve first? And then we pull out a pad of paper and a pen and see what number works for you, what number works for me. And I promise you my number will be far less than the value that I bring. And if I don't do it, you don't pay me. Does that sound fair? And what do you think the closing ratio is on that? Yes. So now for me to be able to do something like that, I have to have a strong brand. <laughs> I have to have the ethos. I have to have a track record. I have to have the book. I have to have a podcast. I have to have the, the have been on stage, proven client testimonials, all those things to be able to say something like that. Now, it's been a 27-year journey, but you can still have phrases like that you can use because people will give you a shot, but you have to believe it. So this concludes our episode of the neuroside of influence and leadership. I hope you enjoyed today. And if you're listening to this, please go out and support our Amplify Your Influence book. It's coming out on April 30th, 2022. And our pre-sales are going to contribute towards our campaign to get to the bestseller list. Everything's looking really good. We are flying through. We, in fact, made number one in business communications on Amazon, which is fantastic. And our AmpCon 2022 is coming March 14th at Las Vegas, right before the Momentum Builder Conference, where Gary V, Hal Elrod, Elrod, Brad Lee, uh, Ryan Holiday, uh, Dave Savage, Barry Habib, some um, other amazing speakers are going to be there. It's going to be fun. All for March 14th, 15th, 16th. So click the links in the show notes. We will see you there. Reach out to us. Please like, share, subscribe, all that fun stuff. And if you have any suggestions, let us know. We'll see you next week. Thank you for sharing this time with us. If the experience resonated with you, follow us on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or AmplifyMyLife.com. Share it with anyone else who's ready to amplify their lives. And remember to let our hearts speak in sequence. For more from Renee Rodriguez, visit meetrene.com.